the Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Matt Tamini. Welcome in everybody to see your host Christopher Lenny bringing you another episode of the Football Podcast. I am once again here with my co-host Jordan Williams. How are you doing today, Jordan? I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. How about yourself? I am thriving, uh, surviving a little bit, but we're here talking about Ohio State, so I couldn't be in a better place than where I'm at right now. So it's good. We got a loaded show today. I'm excited yes, to talk sir. about it. What are, you, what, what, are you, what are you excited to talk about today? I think I'm I think I'm excited to I don't even, I don't know. I think the whole I think the whole show's good. I'm excited to continue our top five. The defensive tackles was really good. Yeah, was a- and I'm interested in the all American conversation. I definitely thought, you know, there would be a little bit more. So Yeah, so we got a few things for you guys today. We've got some recruiting stuff. Uh the Supreme Court made a very unanimous decision. That's pretty Pretty big stuff. I think that's the topic I'm most excited for because I think it's just been a matter of time. And then these top fives have been fun every single week. I wish I got to spend a little bit more time putting mine together. I kind of just went off gut feeling and kind of my five favorites more than like mm-hmm. maybe the five best. But I think you guys are going to enjoy this one this week. It's defensive tackles. Like who? Like every single defensive tackle we've had, like you just love them because they just do all the dirty work. No one asks. It might be the most underrated position on the football field from a position that people should be a fan of. It's definitely the most underrated position, especially at Ohio State, because you think, you know, when we compare to other schools, especially like Alabama, you know, our recruiting's a little bit different. Like Alabama's looking for that, you know, five-star monster defensive tackle that's going to go in the first round. And, you know, I don't think we – I mean – None of the people on my list have went higher than the second round. Yeah. But and I think they get overshadowed by our ends. And I mean, we've already talked about our ends, but without the defensive tackles, without them doing the dirty work, without them being, you know, in the middle pushing the pocket, you know, no matter how talented our ends are, they wouldn't be as successful. Without, so yeah. I'm excited to excited to give them a little bit of shine, give them a little bit of respect. Yeah, you know, they give all the defense ends a shine on game day. So it's gonna be nice for them. We're doing it for them today. And so this show's all about the defensive tackles and defensive linemen in general. Uh, our biggest conversation topic, the biggest conversation topic, talking about Ohio State football this week has been all – it's all recruiting right now. We've got the last June camp starting today. Uh, we've got a huge update, not like like any breaking news or anything, but like JT Tuamaleu visited Ohio State. And obviously there were a lot of reactions online. But the first thing I just we got to touch on this. We haven't had a chance to talk about it on the show because it all happened after we recorded last week. How did you feel about people showing up to the airport to take pictures of JT Twamalev? Honestly, it's one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. I am with you there. Like I felt like bothered by it. Like this dude, he's a seventeen-year-old kid. Like let the kid take a recruiting visit. I don't understand doing that. I understand, you know, 
there's popularity. And if you would have said it would have happened to like Justin Fields after the playoffs or something like that, it's like, okay, still kind of weird, but whatever. But for it to happen to a high school, a high school kid on a recruiting visit, something he's literally been waiting over a year to do, you know what I mean? Like, that's just weird. I don't like that. And I hope it didn't, you know, send the wrong message. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd be comfortable with that if I was him and his family. All the coaches meeting him there, all the Hawaiian Tommy Bahama shirts, I, I liked that. That was cool. But the amount of people who are like, let's go greet JT Tuamaleu at the airport, I'm like, Tuamaleu? Uh, I think it's Tuamaleu. Uh, he was – I mean, I would I, – I, from his recruitment, he seems like he's been a very reserved kid. He's been more of a shy kid. He doesn't really talk to any media outlets. He only has his two or three people outside of his inner circle that he trusts. So I see all these outlets. I'm like, God, like, guys, like, what are you doing? Like, where do we cut the line on media professionalism and giving Ohio State fans what they need? Because obviously, if one person does it, that means everybody has to jump on the train when you're covering Ohio State or you're going to be the one missing out. But I was like, Thinking to myself, I don't want to be in that crowd. I think it's weird. I, I really do. Not at all. And honestly, you know, as we talk about the media, and we're you know some sort of media, I guess. What did what does Ohio State fans get out of that? Yeah. Like, what did they get out of you taking some pictures? You didn't get to talk to him. Uh, you know what I mean? He's not going to talk to you. Like as an Ohio State fan, whether I was doing this podcasting or not, I wouldn't have got anything out of that. You don't learn anything new. It, it's really just weird and. I always view things as like, yeah, I get it's your job, but like you're an adult, you're grown and you left your house with a camera and a microphone and all that other kind of stuff to go to an airport to, you know, what stalk a 17 year old kid trying to make the big, the biggest decision of his life. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Honestly, I don't like it. Yeah. yeah. It just gave me like, it gave me the wrong feeling of what covering recruiting should be. I, you know, it's something where, Interviews, yes, they should happen, but this was borderline just – it was unnecessary in every single way. The coaches meeting him at the airport, it makes perfect sense. He's a highly touted recruit, but there was, like you said, nothing for these recruiting people to gain except, you know, kind of possibly alienating, like, the media from him. Like, that's all that would do for me. Like, I, if I was a 17-year-old kid and I rolled up – I honestly, never mind. I'd probably be pretty excited about it. But that's me. He doesn't seem like that type of kid at all. Yeah, no, definitely not. And, you know, I don't, I I won't go as far to say that it's going to like factor in his decision. You never know. Yeah. But when it comes to recruiting, every little thing, every little thing. And something like that could factor into someone's recruiting, especially for someone who doesn't like to talk to the media and has kept their recruiting so close knit. Um, and, you know, I can't say it's the job of the media to protect Ohio State. And, but I think you should think about those kind of things. Like you should think about the optics and what is it? What are you getting out of it? What are the, the fans getting out of it? And how does this affect the program? Because honestly, I, the media is in a partnership with the program. Yeah. Essentially. And on top of that, you kind of got to take into consideration how it makes the kid feel. Like there's probably kids where that mm-hmm. would have made him feel electric. But I just following his recruitment the whole time, it just does not seem like something that really works with this guy. So it's going to be interesting because the main reason we brought up JTT wasn't to talk about what happened. I think everyone knows the visit went well. Ohio State did everything they could in that short period of time. But 
JTT is not done. He's got multiple visits remaining. I've got the list here ready to roll. He's got uh, Oregon left, and he's got Alabama left. Uh, Oregon's kind of been in that one, uh, that two or three spot. Alabama's been kind of rotating with Ohio State, given what experts are saying. Uh, back and forth. Washington was his first offer, and USC's on the list because they're USC. It's a huge West Coast power. He's a West Coast kid. It, it'd be an embarrassment if USC wasn't in the final five. Uh, but really, this is a this is a this is a four team race. I think we could eliminate USC, but given this recruitment, you can't eliminate anything. Uh, not to flip flop just that quickly, but we've seen it. Uh, so Oregon's coming. Mario Cristobal's a very good recruiter. Nick Saban, obviously, arguably the greatest closer in recruiting. Like, what do you think the advantages of Ohio State being the third visit are? And how much of a disadvantage is it for Ohio State to be third and have Alabama going last? Would be my question for you. I don't know that it's a disadvantage to necessarily be third in the instance of like Ohio State got a weekend visit, which is more important. Yeah. Um, I think the team that gets the midweek visit is like, it, it seems like you're a little less important because like, you know, you get a little bit more out of the weekend. Um, regardless of where Ohio State was positioned, though, Alabama being last is a. Uh, it, that's tough. Um, you want to be the last thing that someone sees, you know, a lot of times. And I guess other people have different thoughts on recruiting and stuff like that. But especially when you're going up against like an Alabama or something like that, you want to be able to get that lasting and that lasting impression, especially because if you are, you know, if you're smart in recruiting, you're going to figure out what do they show you? What did they say to you? And you're going to have a list ready to counteract. Go, Ohio State said this. Well, we just beat Ohio State then. We did this. We did that. They showed you this facility. Well, we have this, this, and that. And you can almost directly go head-to-head if you can figure out, like, you know, what happened in that visit. What did they say to you? And, you know, when you're Alabama and you're going up against Ohio State, I would imagine that Alabama knows Ohio State like the back of its hand. You have to. And not just because we can't pretend that negative recruiting doesn't happen. We heard the stories with Urban and uh, Davos uh, saying that he was going to retire and different things like that. So when that's your main rival, as far as recruiting-wise, and you get that last visit, I think that's big. So, you know, I think it was important that Ohio State got a weekend visit, got to see him for multiple days, um, got the benefit of being after a couple of maybe the lesser ones to kind of make a big impact. Like, okay, I've seen UC, I've seen Washington, but not being after Alabama, I think could matter. Yeah. I think it's interesting because everyone talks about Nick Saban, the closer. I think you brought up some really good points about them being able to counter attack with a lot of the stuff. You know, I think Larry Johnson's done a great job of developing defensive tackles and defense ends. Uh, we aren't really 100% sure on the plan for JT. Obviously, he's a gifted football player. If they want to move him inside, he'll probably be a phenomenal at that. If he wants to play defense end, he'll probably be an absolute stud at that. But historically, Alabama, like you said earlier in the show, has put out defensive tackles every single year since Nick Saban has taken over. Like, it's weirdly one of their three or four positions that every single draft you could kind of see an Alabama defensive tackle being taken in the first three rounds. Once we get into our defensive tackle conversation here, you're going to realize the track record when it comes to the draft has not been the same at Ohio State. 
So I think the main counterpoint Alabama is going to be able to provide when it comes to JTT is we develop interior defensive line much better. And given your frame, that's probably where we see you as a three technique because he's the guy who's going to add weight, I think. I don't think he's going to be a defense end. But uh, I think Ohio State, you know, you kind of you're kind of playing with fire here. You have to give him a lot of what he wants, but you can't let him have control over the whole situation, regardless of how good of a recruit he is. And that's not something Nick Saban's going to do. He's not going to be like he's not going to let JTT come in and be like, I want to play this and this. He's going to be like, No, this is our plan for you, which could backfire on them. And that's kind of you know these are these little. Little things, like you said, little things are so important in recruiting. Uh, it, it's really going to come down to it. But I do think the point you made that I, I think resonated the most is the two major weekend visits are Ohio State and Alabama. He's obviously visited Washington, the most probably being a local kid. But the two priority visits he had set this month, Ohio State, Alabama. So those are the two in the seat. Ohio State's been crystal balled for a long time. Do you think that has any implications right now at this moment, those crystal balls from last year? Yes. I, I would say yes, but no at the same time. I would say yes because they speak to the relationship that they that they have, and I think if Ohio State wins this recruiting, it's going to be on relationships. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be he likes the coaches better, and there's no defensive line coach better in the nation than, um, you know, Larry Johnson, because like you mentioned, especially if it, the goal is to play defensive tackle, uh, being honest, de- playing defensive tackle at Alabama is a better job, you know, um, playing defensive end at Ohio State's a better job. So I think it also depends on what position he wants to play. Yeah, um, because there's a track record. If you play defensive tackle, Alabama's going to get you there a little bit better. If you play defensive end, Ohio State's going to get you there a little bit better. So I think that matters. But I think the crystal balls do factor because it shows that even throughout all this time, Ohio State had the best relationship. Um, And he doesn't talk to that many people. So that even though the crystal balls are low confidence, that information had to come out of somewhere. Um, So I think it gives a start. And you you want that little bit of a head start when you're going up against Alabama. Because if you go up against Alabama and you're even, that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, they can pull away if you're even. But if you have a little bit of a head start, you have a step and they have to make up ground, uh, that can be, you know, that can swing in your favor. So I think it matters. I just don't think I wouldn't look at them with full confidence to say it's not going to change. Yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, I think one interesting, this is an article I read. I think The Athletic did it a year or two ago talking about the built-in Samoan Pacific Islander pipeline that Ohio State's been able to build starting with Urban Meyer. And I think you look at the roster. I know Togi I left, but you have guys like Haskell Garrett uh, we have a possible transfer and a guy we're going to be talking about shortly. You're starting to see a list of guys who come from Polynesian, Pacific Islander, Samoan descent. And, you know, Alabama's in that same boat. They start getting these guys. And I think this competition between the two is going to be so neck and neck because there's really no give or take with either of these two teams. They've been the best two recruiting teams over the last decade, it feels like. Uh, it's us, it's Alabama, Georgia's in that list. But when it comes to this final decision, I don't think we're going to get it shortly. I, I think he has to he has to make it before 
the summer semester, the last chance to get in school for summer, or else he probably won't be able to play in the fall. So immediately after he's done with Alabama, he's going to sit down he's going to make this decision. And if I'm being honest here as a guy who tries to do his best to follow recruiting, I have zero idea where he's going to go. I, I think Ohio State made a great impression. Was it a seal the deal impression? No one got that feeling from that visit. And that, that and I don't want to be a negative guy, that should worry Ohio State fans a little bit. And I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on that. For, for me, it doesn't worry me only because it's on brand. Yeah. You know, I think it would be more off brand if he went somewhere, was immediately wild and was like, I have to commit immediately with the the measured and cal- you really have to call it that the measured and calculated approach that he's taking he, to his he recruitment. He really knows his worth as a recruiter. Yeah. And being the old, really the only person in that class, he's the last person. He didn't take, he didn't accept no pressure. I mean, at this point, everyone wants you to sign in December graduate in December, start in January. He didn't do that. He didn't get pressure to make a commitment. He waited until, and it kept getting pushed back, pushed back. So it doesn't worry me because it's on brand. I didn't expect him to come and immediately be wild and just make a rash decision. Um, if you there were negative things that you hear or anything like that, um, I would be worried. But for me, it's just like, I trust that Ohio State did the best that they can do. And ultimately, that's all you can do. You know, yeah. you win some, you lose some. Outside of the media fiasco, I trust that he went. He had a great time. You touched on the Polynesian point. I think that's important. That was actually a really great article. Um, and that I think that's also important as far as relationships because the, the Polynesian islands are very far away and they're very big on family if you don't know anything about the culture. And so it takes, you know, a, it takes one or two people to create like an inroad somewhere. And Ohio State has that, which is why a lot of, you know, players of Polynesian descent stay at USC, Oregon, stay on the West they're Coast. They're already built there. Yeah, right and now. it's closer to home. Um, so I also think that factors in. But no, I don't think I'm worried that, you know, we didn't hear anything. I think that that's on brand for his recruitment yeah. so far. I think two things are for sure in this. Uh, I would be shocked if he goes to one of the three schools on the West Coast. I do think this is a two-horse race between Ohio State and Alabama. Because, you know, until the playoff expansion happens and more people get their seat at the table, he's going to want to come. He's going to want to try to win a national championship. And I'm just looking at those three schools. You're not going to do that to them right now. You're not. Mm -hmm. And there's two places recruiting them still in the hunt that can provide that every single year, year in and year out. And that's what it's going to come down to. So I can't fully tell you what's next for JTT to close this conversation up a little bit before we move on to some guy who did commit. Uh, this is going to be a fun next couple of weeks, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be – I mean, the month's almost over. I'm not saying the recruitments are going to come fast, but I think we're going to start to see a little bit more. Yeah, I think a lot of these kids who have been offered want to have this all locked in before season. Uh, JT is a guy – he has to commit. He's got to get into camp. He's got to be able to play this fall as a freshman – to get his clock rolling, to get on NFL radars. Obviously, he's already on NFL radars. They're paying attention to scouting services. They know the kids who are high-end, top-end recruits. Uh, I mean, if you wanted to make a mock draft of 2027 or whenever, he's a he's a first pick. That's what people would say. This is just kind of the level of player we're competing for at Ohio State, and it's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to be interesting. I guess this is the way we got to leave this one. 
Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be fun. But yeah, moving forward, we did get a pretty solid commitment over this week. Uh, was it was on the weekend? Maybe I can't. I really can't fully remember the time frame on this one. But Ohio State got a commitment from Dallin Hayden. Uh, he's a running back out of Memphis, Tennessee. He goes to Christian Brothers School. Uh, he's the 237th ranked player nationally in the 24-7 composite. But I think he's a guy who's going to outperform his recruiting ranking. That's my first initial thoughts watching some of his film, some of his highlights, mostly not any film. I didn't watch any of his full games. But uh, his highlight tapes, he's a very well-rounded back. He's got a little bit of surprise power for his size. He's faster than – he's fast. He's fast, fast. And I know he's in Tennessee. I don't know that state's not known for its speed, but – uh, he is a guy, I think he he's going to have a tough road in front of him. There's a lot of talented running backs in the room. But, yeah, you excited? We got a boom. He's hard commit. Yeah, I'm excited. Personally, and I actually wanted to ask you this question. I was looking forward to talking about this. I don't like the way his recruitment is being framed, and so I wanted to ask you that question. Um, there's a lot of people saying, like, oh, Ohio State only took a low four-star. He's 230 because they have a crowded running backs room. Oh, I think that's ridiculous. And for me, this recruitment looks more like, you know, Ezekiel Elliott. This recruitment looks more like Chris Olave. It looks like that that player that, you know, nobody else saw, but is going to come in and is going to be, you know, it looks like J.K. J.K. wasn't a five-star. So I just don't like, because it doesn't make any sense. From for Ohio State to say, oh, we have all these, we have a five star running back. Let's go recruit a three star back who's never going to play just so, you know, Trey, yeah. uh, Trey doesn't leave. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to make this point right now. Ohio State's not in the business of wasting roster spots. No. If they didn't believe this kid could come in and contribute at the position they're recruiting him at, they wouldn't have offered him. That's, I mean, that's my main point right here. I don't really. With running backs, it's kind of tough with recruiting rankings because the value of the position is a lot lower, and there's a lot of really talented running backs. So there's two things you look for in a running back when you're recruiting them. Scheme fit, number one. And I can tell you right now, Dallin Hayden looks like a lot of backs Ohio State's had just from watching them on, on the highlight tapes. Uh, when you take a look further into it, it seems like Ohio State has been in on Dallin Hayden for some time now. It seems like it's been a relationship that Tony Alford has seeked out. It seems like he's been a player that has been identified. And it didn't matter. They said, mm-hmm. recruiting rankings out the window here. If we had to pick one of these three or four running backs in this class, this is who, we want. who would it be? And it was Dallin Hayden. And that's how I had the feeling of it. I, I know a lot of more casual fans who do not follow recruiting closer are like, oh, my God, we got this scrub at 237. I also think that kind of puts into perspective how the expectations of Ohio State's recruiting have mm-hmm. changed. But I'll be honest, the 208th best player, 24-7 sports, that's still pretty damn good. And yeah. given that he's the 21st running back, I, I mean – there's a lot of things that go into being a running back. Not every running back is going to look like Leonard Fournette out of high school. There's different skill sets. There's different abilities. He's fast. He's shifty. Uh, he reminds me of quite a few backs we've had in the past. And like, like you brought up J.K. Dobbins, I think he's a little bit more slender, but I think he plays with that same level of balance, that same style. 
And I, I, I'm with you. I don't think this is a recruitment that was like, oh, we just needed to fill the room up a little more. Because Ohio State doesn't do that. No. And it wasn't like, what was it, I believe 2019, where we were after three running backs. We didn't get any of them. And then they started recruiting some people where it's like, okay, yeah. maybe they like they weren't the initial. Like, this guy was high on the list. Like, yeah. like you had mentioned, the relationship was there. And I just think, I just like when I read that, I just didn't like that. Because it's like Ohio State's not in that business. And I think you said the perfect thing, regardless of ranking, running back is a position of about fit. You know, you could be the number one running back, but if you're 5'7", 190, you're not an Ohio State running back. You may be an Oklahoma running back. You may be, you're not even an Alabama running back. You may be a Clemson running back. They like smaller running backs that can run it. But like Ohio State wants a running back that 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot, can take two, it, 205, can battle in the trenches. Run through tackles like they and yeah now you can you have to catch but even the catching thing is new they weren't throwing the running back six no. years ago so you know I think yeah maybe he's the twenty first but also recruiting is fickle like recruiting doesn't I, is not always accurate the, if it was if he has a great year if he has a great year he could be he could be he could move up a ton like this yeah. is not something that is set in stone and like yeah. you said Chris Olave is a huge example he was a three star recruit. He didn't have the tape. And he's going to go down as maybe the best wide receiver Ohio State's ever had. Top five. I mean, I don't want to make Statistically, for sure. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah. So I just wanted to get that off my chest because it's like, I don't know what other program you follow, but Ohio State's not in the business of taking players who aren't talented enough to go to Ohio State. There's a reason they were after him. This is not November where they're like fishing for commitment. Yeah. This like, isn't them throwing a, like an offer at a kid out of Urbana, Ohio, because they have a spot left. They didn't lose then, on any running backs right now. Like everyone was talking, oh, a lot of Oklahoma fans were like, oh, there must be out on Trey on Webb if they were taking down Hayden. But I, I never even saw Ohio State being in on Trey on Webb. I didn't see them wanting to have him in their class. I always thought it was down Hayden all the way. I didn't think there was any other running back they really wanted. Yeah, I'm not a recruiting expert, but and so maybe this is ignorance on me, but I didn't hear Trayon's Webb's name until he de- decommitted from Georgia and then dropped his top three. Yeah. Like, he wasn't on my radar. I'm not the expert, but, like, I had heard other running backs' name. I hadn't really heard his. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think this is absolutely – Tony Alford identified the kid he wanted, and he got him. This is this is exactly what you want your coach to do. He want he got a kid he wants to coach. He got a kid he thinks he can perform at the level. And just because Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor are a year older than him doesn't mean he can't come in and compete immediately for touches and carries. Uh, you know, Mayan Williams is going to be there a couple more years. You're going to have a loaded room, but mm-hmm. we've seen it with running backs. We see it. With Ohio State, we see it with Alabama. We see it with these really good teams. Like, yes, you have your bell cow, but three or four guys are getting carries, getting touches in a season. It's what teams want to limit the wear on your number one guy. So you're going to get film. You're going to get playing time, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, and I think people forget, you know, and you can agree or disagree with this philosophy, but Ohio State has never been a one running back team. Like, you know, you have your special ones like Zeke, where it's like, why are you giving anyone else carries? I believe that JK was touching that level, but they still try to split carries a lot with JK. But ultimately, Ohio State is typically a two running back team. It may not be 50-50, but it's not 90-10. It's at least 70-30. You have to have other running backs 
there's going to be injuries. There's going to be fatigue. Now they're potentially, you know, in three years, two years, uh, he'll still be on the roster. They're going to potentially be playing 16 games. Like the running back is not a room where you can only have two or three guys. It's a physical position. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the commitment. I don't know if I answered your original question. I just had to get that off my chest. I'm just seeing a lot of people saying like, Oh, they just got a lesser commitment because they didn't want you know, to challenge Trey and they already had five stars and things like that. And that just didn't make sense. That's not how Ohio state recruits. And I I mean, I don't even remember my question, but that's more on me, but I I think, I think you brought up a good point. That's kind of what I want to talk about too. I thought it was great. Great question there. I think, I think a lot of people, really have this weird expectation for Ohio State's recruiting now. Uh, I think Brian Hartline kind of ruined every other position, <laughs> to be honest, because he's like the one guy who could literally take two or three five stars and be like, yeah, you could probably play. And they end up probably playing. But, you know, there's a lot of positions where, especially because, you know, wide receivers, they kind of fly off the the field when you've got a really good one. Like, they yep. – stand out immediately. And I think this used to be the way running backs were, but there are a lot of really good high school running backs now. Yeah. And I don't want to say something that may be common sense, but maybe people don't know this. You know, the five-star ranking, there's typically only 32 of them, max like 34, 35. And it's based off of the positions that are first-round picks. You don't get a lot of five-star running backs because running backs aren't taken in the first round, which is why you can have four or five five five-star quarterbacks. You can have four or five five five-star wide receivers. A lot of defensive linemen are five-stars. Right, but running backs typically don't take that. So the best there are a lot of classes where the bet, the number one running back's a four star. Yeah, because it's just how recruiting works out. So, and like, four star, like none of it matters. There's a it's difference. Ohio State after them. There's a difference. Like Ohio State wouldn't take a Derrick Henry back. It's not what they operate no. with. So you got to take that in consideration as well. They wouldn't take a Christian McCaffrey or Travis Etienne either, and they're great backs, but they're not Ohio State backs. Nope. And I think that's a point some people always forget in recruiting as well as you're still recruiting for your scheme. You're still recruiting to fit in with what you want it to. Yeah. Just like Alabama's not taking a five foot eight, three hundred pound defensive lineman. Yeah. Their defense that, that defensive tackle is gonna be six three, two ninety, and run a four four. Like yeah, that's what they everyone do. has it's not just the numbers, it's also the position, the body, where you see them, the scheme, things like that, that all matters too. For sure. And lastly, on the recruiting side, I, I don't know. I don't know much about this one. Uh, I, I I don't think anyone really does. He's in the school directory. Pallier Gatiote. Gatiote. Uh, we're going to get this right eventually. I'm going to get these right. Um, Pallier Gatiote. Uh all right, regardless, we know who I'm talking about. Uh, the transfer from USC, the five-star guy. I mean, I think we have it in our show plan. Is boom coming? I mean, is it kind of to the point where it's already happened? And it kind of it feels that way. It was like an it underground, does. like, nuclear explosion that we just didn't really get to see anything because it kind of got spoiled. Yeah, it feels that way. I feel like, you know, I mean, they're going to they, – a boom is going to come, but it does feel like – that Ohio State knows something that we don't. Yeah, and I, I think he's hanging out with Haskell Garrett. All, I mean, that's his cousin. He's with him almost every day. He's been in I did Columbus. not know they were cousins. He, he did. He goes – he's been in Columbus for a week now. I, I don't think you stay in Columbus for a week as a guy who's looking for schools 
Yeah. Unless you're going to the school. I know I you could be in the student directory if you're just applying. So I, I didn't take too much into that because he'd have, obviously had to put his applications in and stuff for all the schools he's interested in. But to me, it doesn't seem like there were a lot of other schools in the mix either. Mm-hmm. So I, I really, I, I think he's, I think he's a Buckeye. Yeah. Do we make the official announcement that it's a boom? Do we just I mean, do it? I, I feel comfortable saying it is. I don't see how it's not. I feel like, you know, you look at the the war of whatever, the war of recruiting. Ohio State didn't get the number one guy, so they got the number two guy. You know, yeah. I don't think he was going anywhere else. There's not that many schools that are looking for a linebacker that that, that are in the position where, you know, he's going to start immediately, can go to the pros, can compete for a national championship. I, I don't – his cousins here, I didn't know they were cousins, but even if they weren't cousins, the Polynesian connection, like, I don't – I just don't see him they're, going anywhere else. They're like when you're looking at like someone going to a school or moving somewhere, like check, 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 like all these boxes. I've checked them. I'm like, he's an Ohio State Buckeye. That's why I keep saying to myself, I'm like, he is. We haven't heard it yet, but he's a Buckeye. Like I, I know the term. I don't even think the term "silent commitment" works here because he's not being very silent about it. No. <laughs> he posted on his IG story. He's like, oh, I guess they caught me or something like that. He's like caught in the act or something. And I was like, what What are we doing here? Like that, like he's an Ohio State guy. Like, I, I guess that's kind of what we're saying. And I, I think I think most people would kind of be in the same boat as us. I, I think the only thing we're missing is him legitimately just being like, yep, I'm here. I'm an Ohio Drop State book guy. Uniform. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's what we're waiting for. Maybe he's just waiting for fall practice to just make this like badass announcement in like the full uniform and all that stuff. I don't know. Uh, I I'm intrigued. It's going to be, I, I don't know. I, I really words can't describe the strangeness of this one because I've never seen a trans like transfers are generally, they're not new, but like the amount of them is. And yeah. From all the ones I've followed, it usually happens pretty quick. Once they make their decision, they're already enrolled because they've been through school. They've done their core requirements, all that stuff. So I think he's here. I think he's a Buckeye. I'm going to announce it. Palio Gacciote, boom, Ohio State. He's an Ohio State Buckeye. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm I'm excited to – I don't really look too much into transfers uh, until they're there, so I'm excited to kind of see a little bit more into why Ohio State wanted him because I'm not someone that's like, oh, the sky is falling. I felt like while they're young, I felt like we have some – actually, they're not young. They're just inexperienced. I felt like we had some good linebackers. Obviously, the coaches know something I don't since they – we're recruiting two separate linebacker yeah. transfers. They feel like there's something that's needed in the room. I think they just wanted to add experienced bodies who have been in college locker rooms before, played snaps. I don't think it's a knock on the guys in the room as much as a lot of people like to make it seem. But I think there's guys who haven't played a lot. I think there's a lot of inexperience in the room. So, I mean, just bringing in another body to compete is just going to make everyone better. That That's fair. That is true. So – I think I think it's I think it's good. I think he's going to add a lot. I think getting him into a situation that wants him again is going to be huge for his development. And he's a two year guy. He's not going to be a one and done transfer type. He's got multiple years of eligibility left. So uh, I think it works out good. Yeah, and that's important because the linebacker that went to uh, Alabama, right? He, he only has one, one year. year left. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. The free year stuff's kind of throwing a wrench into a lot of those. But, yeah, uh, that's recruiting for you guys. I think we're going to take a short, quick break here, and then we're going to get into our last two conversation topics, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy those. We've got the SCOTUS ruling coming up, and then we've got our top five Ohio State defensive tackles as well as best for last. So enjoy it. We'll be back shortly after the music plays. And the ads do too. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed those advertisements from our great sponsors. Uh, they they always seem to be perfectly exactly what I need to hear and what I need to buy. So I hope that's the case for you guys. I'm here with Jordan. How you doing? How you liking the show so far, Jordan? I mean, I think it's going well. I always enjoy talking about Ohio State recruiting, but now we get to talk about an even bigger topic because it's it's bigger than Ohio State, although Ohio State will obviously benefit as will every program. Yeah, I mean, uh, you kind of did a nice lead in for it. So if you guys have have not heard, I'm assuming most of you have, the Supreme Court of the United States, you know, the one in Washington, D.C., the big one that makes all the decisions on all the laws and their relevancy in the United States, has had many cases against the NCAA in their time. And the NCAA has done an unbelievable job of fabricating this amateur model of athleticism. It's a big, it's fraudulent, I swear to God, like, the amount of money that these schools bring in, that the I we talked about it a few weeks ago, me and Matt, like college football now can't exist without the NCAA. And I am here for this. So the decision was unanimous. I don't know exactly what the decision was about, but I know it was about the NIL stuff, the name, image, and likeness stuff that a lot of states are already passing. So This is a quote from Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who I think he put it in great words here. The NCAA is not above the law. The NCAA couches its arguments for not paying student athletes in innocuous labels, but the labels cannot disguise the reality. The NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. And I mean... We've seen the shirts, Brian Bosworth in the 80s, National Communist Athletic Association. I mean, I don't know what that means, but there's been vitriol for so long at this idea that athletes can't make money off their own name. And I think it's extremely unfair. I know you're on my side on this one. I think we both agree. And most people in any media level and any college football fan should agree that these players deserve to make money off themselves. Honestly, like, the only ones who don't agree, agree are maybe the older generation who really are buying into this amateur thing. But I, I don't understand it. You know, people like to say, like, you know, I'm a college football fan more than NFL. I watch them both. 
But what makes people who are college football fans, sometimes they try to say that what separates college football from the NFL is the amateurism. And it's really not. It's really the traditions, the yes. rivalry, like the, those types of things. Those two things can coexist. Yeah. They, uh, it's the, not, like the NIL stuff and the traditions and all that stuff can coexist very easily. Like, Yeah. It's not though. It's not the amateurism that makes it different than the NFL. And honestly, the, it's it's just a scam. It's a scam, and I'm glad that someone took it to the Supreme Court. I'm I can't say I'm surprised that it was unanimous. Um, I feel like I heard somewhere that the NCAA was pretty confident, but I don't know why they were confident going into it because it just like. I don't know. I don't know what's in their orientation packet. I don't know how they got everyone at the NCAA office to continue to buy into this amateur thing, but they're not amateurs. It's illegal. And some of the things that like, you know, you could, you could ask the question, was Tattoo Gate good for Ohio State? It got us, you know, another national championship, got us Urban Meyer who changed Ohio State. He changed the Big Ten, brought us into the new wave, whatever. You don't know if Jim Trestle was going to do that. But ultimately, if you think about it now, in 2021, he got fired because his adult players sold their personal memorabilia for money and tattoos. When you really like put it out there like that, I think it really sums up all the issues with this amateurism model. Like me and you, we could go like we could go sell whatever we have. If I wanted to sell my Apple Watch right now to make a hundred bucks, I could do it. But a college yeah. football player does that, and they're receiving impermissible benefits because they were able to sell the watch because their name. And that is the yeah. stupidest thing on the planet. And, I, I mean, I've been going hard at the NCAA for the last six, seven years especially. Like, I, it's just not something that it sits well with me. I'm like, I remember there was one story where that kid at UCF, the kicker, had his YouTube channel and he had to either shut it down or quit playing football. And I don't think these players should be put in that position. And this is one of those first steps into moving forward into a non-archaic era of how athletes are treated. Yeah, and this started because the NCAA was trying to cap benefits. They were trying to cap what schools could. And it's not like it it refers to the NIL, but the original thing was, I believe, them just trying to say, you can't give athletes computers. You can't give this. You can't you can't do that. We're going to cap how much money you can spend on the athlete. And it's like, for what? For what? Like, what does that do for anybody? Who does that hurt? It only hurts the person who's making the NCAA, all the money. That's all. That's the only person it hurts is the one person who's legitimately bringing money to it. Billions of dollars. We do not watch college football because the NCAA. I watch college football because Ohio State. I watch college football because I enjoy seeing these kids go out there and run around and play a sport that they love. That's why I love college sports. And if they can make some change off of it, that's even better. I think that's what we should be rooting for. Don't we want Honestly. to give these people the platform that they earned? I, that's what it should be about. And now I, I'm reading these other quotes in this article, and they're talking about yes, we're going to work with the NC, we're going to work with schools and all that for name, image, likeness. I'm like, the only reason you're doing that now is because the schools are getting ready to cut you out of everything. Yeah, and you're going to be gone. 
And that's why I, I'm fired up about this. I'm excited. I, I really think this is another quote from Kavanaugh's write-up. All of the restaurants in a region cannot come together to cut cooks' wages on the theory that customers prefer to eat food from low-paid cooks. Like That's like saying people prefer to watch athletes play because they don't make money. It is a point you brought up. And I, I think there's only like people over 70 who still think that way. I've literally never watched an Ohio State football game. I was like, ah. I'm so happy they're not getting paid. They're broke. I'm so happy that they're broke and hungry. This makes the game so much better. And if yeah. you think that, like, you are the problem, I promise you, if that has ever crossed your mind or if that makes sense to you. It's weird. Yeah, yeah I it's promise weird. you like, the problem. I don't want to know who that person is. I don't. And I just think, you know, I've literally been writing since like undergrad papers against the NCAA and how they should be playing at paying athletes. And just a simple thing of like the, literally the greatest video game I've ever played. We can't, we don't have because of the NCAA and their structure. Yeah. And, and now we have the possibility with name. And it may not come back the same, but we do have the possibility at least because of name, image, and likeness. And they literally got rid of the greatest game I've personally ever played because they didn't want to give athletes a cut. Yeah. It's interesting. I remember years ago, five or six Northwestern players tried to develop a player union. And it, it was met with a lot of people saying, oh, why would you need to unionize? You're not making any money. But they're like, well, if we get hurt, we want our scholarships and it wasn't even about making money. They just wanted what was promised them, yeah. committed to them, regardless of what they could give the university. Because the university promised, made these promises. They didn't mm-hmm. want that to be cut from them. And now, those guys have led. Like, Think about how easily united the Big Ten was, the Pac-12 were, when yep. it was all on the line. The season was on the line. They were able to unify and unionize really quick to get back on the football field with the We Want to Play campaign. It is a match in a dry field at this point, and anything can catch fire when it comes to moving NIL forward at this point. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. And I think it's going to be interesting. You know, the Supreme Court basically said, if and you better hope nobody else sues you, because if they sue you, they're going to lose because yeah. your model is bad. And so really the last thing that I have to say, and I may mess this up because I'm doing it off the top of my head, but the things that I remember of the NCAA, just that like that they've had to change just in our lifetime. They got rid of the video game. They had to start allowing stipends. They had to make it to where you just mentioned um, schools could Schools had to keep players on scholarship even if they got injured because you could you could get kicked off the team and get out of school and it's like I thought they were I thought they were students first but if they're no longer playing football they don't get their scholarship um, they were the players have been fighting to get insurance once they graduate like all of these things that are going on are, go against their students like all these things are like nope they're employees they, like if you quit your job or you get fired you lose your benefits. And that's essentially what was happening. And this is just in the last five, 10 years that they've had to do all this stuff. Anyone who watches basketball remember Kemba Walker saying, yeah, I'm I'm getting all this glory from this tournament, but I'm starving because I don't have food. And that's what changed them to be able to give the cost of attendance stipend. Like the, this, this path has been going on for a while, but if you really just name the things that they weren't giving the student athletes and it's like, it's how does that even make sense? It's unbelievable that it took this long to get to this point. And the one thing about the unanimous decision, and we'll move on to our top fives is like you said, like 
the NCAA is not winning anything here on out. No, no, it's done. It's done. It's a wrap. The NCAA either has to play their part or they're done. It's over. And that's just the truth. And I honestly, like you brought up the video game, the revamp doesn't even have the NCAA in its name at all because they don't need it. They don't. They can go directly to the schools. Yep, it's all group licensing now. So it's it's crazy. It's great that it's all happening, and it's unbelievable that this case was unanimous. And it's it's crazy. Uh, but yeah. Talking about people who've made an impact and probably deserve to make some money in their time off their name, image, and likeness, we're moving into our top five OSU defense tackles. Uh, This is Jordan's subject. This is his topic. We've been loving it. It's been fun. And the defensive tackle position, I think there's some obvious guys. I think there's some guys we threw in there because of our favoritism towards them. And I'm going to let Jordan lead us off with his number five. Yeah, I'm, I'm, before I lead off, I'm just going to say, and I'm probably going to say this every week, I struggled with this. And looking at your list, I was like, man, there's a couple people I wanted to put on there. And I'm like, do I want to put it, do, do, do I do my favorites? Do I do stats? Do I do All-Americans? Do I do impact? Like, this, this was a struggle. Um, but one thing you can't say, you can't say my list is all people who are my favorites because the number five on my list is someone I actually don't remember playing at all. Um, it's Quinn Pickcock. Um, he was a defensive tackle. Um, he was a 2006 All-American, 67 tackles, 15 tackles for a loss, nine sacks, and a third-round pick. And one of the reasons he's on my list is he did that in two years. Yeah. A lot of the people on our list, um, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but I did, that defensive tackle, a lot of them are there for three, four, five years. Um, you know, defensive tackle is not a position, you know, that's a lot of one and done for Ohio State. And so, he did this in two years, became a third-round pick. Um, I mean, he didn't have a great NFL career, but Ohio State doesn't have that many All-Americans at defensive tackle. I thought he I thought he deserved to be in there. Yeah, I think Quinn Pitcock was an interesting name because he's not a guy I remember too well either. He's an All-American, which is crazy because I felt like, you know, if you quiz me on who was an All-American at Ohio State and who wasn't, I'd get a lot wrong, like looking at our yeah, All-American. Oh, definitely. And Quinn Pickcock was one of those guys who I actually, the first time I remember seeing his name, like, I mean, I probably remember watching him play, but like last week when I was looking for defense alignment, defense ends, or two weeks ago, I was like, Quinn Pickcock, defense tackle. That's a name. I haven't heard that yeah, one. Yeah, the record books. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, this guy's awesome. I think <laughs> that's like, that's just kind of shows how crazy Ohio State is with the talent. Oh, but I think he's a great number five. I, I'm as, I'm surprised you got a lot of All Americans on your list. I have a few All Americans on my list, but Quinn Pickcock, that's a name. Uh, number five, I think he's fully deserving. Just looking at everything, he's a guy who got drafted, tons of stats, but mostly just made a notable name on the record book. He's got a spot on Buckeye Grove, and that's something that gets you on these lists for us. Definitely. Uh, my number five is not an All-American. Uh, I think he's an underappreciated Buckeye over the last half decade, and his name is Devon Hamilton, the recent Jacksonville Jaguars draft pick. And he was drafted before Urban Meyer got there, so there was no favoritism in that draft pick. He got drafted off merit alone. And he's a guy who I think always had an act for kind of coming up big in a lot of moments. He was a guy who developed into a really elite pass rusher from the interior in his final year. 
And there were some plays where he made them, and I was like, God, if Devon Hamilton doesn't make this play, this could have gone very south. Him and his running mate, and I got an honorable mention here because I just could not fathom putting him in the top five just due to it, was Robert Landers, who we talked about last week. He's one of our favorite players. Like, yeah. he's awesome. Uh, those two guys in their career, and I'm grouping them together here, they always had this innate ability to come up big, whether it was a fumble recovery, whether it was a timely sack, whether it was a timely, like, punching the ball out in a pile. They just seem to always come up in these times where you needed to play, and you can't teach that. And that's what no. made Devon Hamilton so special to me. He's a guy who never really got the notoriety he deserved, but mm-hmm. he's an awesome player. I agree. Uh, and that's that's a player that I struggled with because, first of all, if you would have asked me if he was an All-American, I would have thought that he was. Um, and I I struggled with, like I mentioned before, do I go for the All-American route? Do I go for the stats? Or do I go for the person that, like, in my head made the impact? And when I was thinking of defensive tackles, Devon Hamilton was one of the first ones that came up to my mind. So kind of foreshadowing, he's not on my list, but I do think he deserved to be on there. Um, Moving on to number four, another underrated defensive tackle is Draymond Jones. Um, he's another person that I, I, I kind of thought of, but even looking at his stats, it surprised me. I was like, wow, he was better than I thought. Like, I remember him making the impact. I remember him being there, but it's like, man, like he, like it, it, the stats backed up the, the the stats backed up the impact that I thought he had. So, I mean, 114 tackles, 22 tackles for a loss, nine and a half sacks. He was a third round pick. Um, I think he's a perfect number four. Yeah. No, I, I really like Draymond Jones. I think of all the people I did not include, I think he was the one where like I was like, God, this is he's number six for sure. And I, I, I went I leaned a little bit more towards favoritism. I really like Draymond Jones. Uh his final year, he was an absolute force. And I'm reading his stats oh, yeah. right now. Eight and a half sacks from the defensive tackle position, the three tech. Which is ridiculous. From the interior, eight and a half sacks is unheard of. 13 tackles for a loss, 43 total tackles. This guy was eating blockers. He was getting penetration into the backfield. He was making big plays. And he was working with with Nick Bosa. He was working with these guys to just make this elite defensive line in 2018. And when you really talk about, like, most crucial part of this line, I, I really just don't think you can get rid of Draymond Jones. He did crack my top five. Uh, I went with a little bit more longevity, I think, than you did. And, I mean, there's no problem with that. But he's a great player. I think this was the one guy he was the hardest one for me to cut. Yeah. Uh, My number four is Tommy Togiai. And if you guys read through my list, uh, I really did lean towards the true nose tackle side of it. I think all four of my guys, except Haskell Garrett, but he rotates both. There's foreshadowing there. Uh, Tommy Togiai is absolutely just an animal. I think when you talk from a pure talent standpoint and look at his final year, uh, he is a guy who put up some insane stats his final season. He kind of took a little bit to get going in his career. Uh, That happens a lot with defensive tackles at Ohio State. He didn't land immediately. He played nine games in 2019, but his final season in seven games – Three sacks, four and a half tackles for loss, 23 total tackles. 
Uh, so if you take that and put it into a full season, nine TFLs, six sacks, 46 tackles, as a true nose tackle is pretty mm-hmm. impressive. And he is one of my favorite players to watch. I think he was one of the most physically imposing players Ohio State's had in the 2000s. Yeah, I like that we do this differently because I think it, we get to mention a whole lot of names that deserve to be on the list for multiple reasons. And it showcases like how people could be on this list. This is someone that like I if you I, I swore up and down Tommy was going to be on my list and I, I should have put him there. I should have. But I didn't want to be accused of recency bias and anything like that. But I'm a big fan of Tommy. I think he's going to have a Michael Thomas um, uh, S career as well as a. I'm losing his name, but the wide receiver for um, the Washington football team. Terry McLaurin. As someone, Terry McLaurin, that's going to have a significantly better NFL career than they did college because it took him the, that time, but he broke out his senior year, and I think he's going to take all of that into the NFL, and I think he's going to be a force. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Tom. He was one of my favorite players last year. Yep. So uh, my number my number three is Michael Bennett. I don't think you can think of defensive tackle at Ohio State and not think of Michael Bennett. Um, he had to be on this list. I mean, there's a couple of people that's like when you think about it, there's five. There's two people, maybe three, that absolutely have to be on this list. And Michael Bennett was one of them. Another All-American, 110 tackles, 31 and a half tackles for a loss, 18 sacks. I mean, he was a part of that. Uh, 2014 team, as I mentioned, um, he was uh, a national champion. So Michael Bennett, a major, major impact. Another player that I love watching play. Um, I think that's a common theme with Ohio State. You know, they they take a little bit of time to start. You know, a lot of them are four or five year guys, but once they get there and once it's their turn, they rotate, and it's it's a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, you've got Michael Bennett at three. Uh, I'm not going to give away where I have him because it's a little bit. A little bit higher. Uh, and there's only two spots ahead of this. Uh, I like Michael Bennett. I'm not going to give away all my secrets to his trade on why I have him, where I have him. But he is just a guy. And pulling up the stats, like, he was an absolute wrecking ball. He was in extreme. He was like, honestly, when you think about how successful our linebackers were on that 2014 national championship team, yeah, a lot of credit has to go to what Michael Bennett was able to accomplish mm-hmm. in the trenches, opening up gaps, yep. opening up lanes for them to fill and that's why i think he is a very underrated buckeye of the 2010s i think he might be one of the better players we've had uh my number three is adolphus washington Uh, i really like adolphus washington uh for me adolphus washington was an absolute model of consistency at the position uh he never really flashed a crazy numbers but his numbers were the epitome of being a consistent true nose tackle one technique defense tackle i don't think there's a lot of players who had his consistency in their career who contributed for four seasons in their career like he did and he's a guy who came in contributed immediately and they contributed for three more years as an every down starter no i i agree 100 percent after uh after going through my list, I think I have Michael Bennett too low. It's fine. I don't. I think I. I think I meant to change that. But um, Adolphus Washington is also on my list. Um, he's going to be coming up soon. I think one of the things to uh, not to give away too much because he's on my list. But I think one of the things that you can say about Adolphus Washington, it's almost like we could talk like we talked about last week with the offensive tackles. 
you don't want to know the offensive tackle's name. You don't like you don't want to think about it. And I think Adolphus Washington was one of those players you didn't have to think about. It may not have been always the splashy plays, but he was always there, eating double teams, letting the linebackers roam, which is why a lot of them got drafted and things like that. Uh, he was just steady. He was steady. He made his plays. Uh, he, I mean, I doubt he got yelled at for being in the wrong spot. So I think that says a lot about him. Yeah. So my number two is Jonathan Hankins. And honestly, I think he should be three. My, I, I think Michael Bennett should be my two. I Not too late to switch. Yeah. So my, I'm, I, the, in the wrong order, Jonathan Hankins is really my three, but we'll talk about him now. Uh, 2012 All-American, 138 tackles, 16 and a half tackles for a loss, five sacks. Uh, he was a second round pick. Uh, he was one of the higher, he was actually on my list, at least the highest draft pick taken. Um, Unfortunately, I don't think a lot of these players have, you know, great success in the league. Um, but he was, I mean, he was dominant. And that's 2012 is like right, right before, you know, the offense, the defensive line really starts to take off. Yeah. I'm like, you'll see, we have a 2012 All-American, 2014, 2015 draft picks, draft picks. I think he really helped usher that in. And if you think back, 2012 was Urban Meyer's first season, second season, right? Yeah. Um, so he was really that focus uh, and that one of the one of the uh, people who opened the gates for the success that we've had in this current you know generation of defensive tackles and defensive linemen. Yeah, Jonathan Hankins did not make my list. Uh, he was also very much on the outside looking in. I think when you go from a statistical standpoint. Uh, his numbers are actually very similar to Devon Hamilton's. He just did it for a few more years. Yeah. Uh, I think when you really look at two players, they're just these trunky dudes who eat up blocks and just do their job or never in the wrong place. That's what Jonathan Hankins was. And I, I'm really glad he got the recognition and the accolade of All-American. I, I, it's awesome stuff. Uh, he's not on my list. I mean, I think there was 10 or 11 guys that we probably could have included in a top 10. That would have been Honestly. no question to ask. So my number two is actually Haskell Garrett. Uh, I, I'm no, I have no shame getting accused of recency bias. I've seen this guy play. I, I've seen him play in person. I've seen him dominate games. Uh, last year, he had a four-sack game. Like, this guy is an absolute – he scored a touchdown against Michigan State. He's an absolute wrecking ball of a human being at defensive tackle. And I really can't get enough of him. I, him coming back was the best news I, I could have got Honestly, this offseason. He, I, I, I may have been more excited of him coming back than I was Chris Olave. Yeah. I can say that. I think – well, I mean, we're so loaded at wide receiver. Like, Chris Olave coming back was like, holy crap, that's some icing on the cake. Haskell Garrett – can legitimately change the level of this defensive plays next year. And I, I know I'm kind of forecasting a little bit with him, but I think he's going to be a first or second round draft pick because he's a he's a good athlete. He's strong. He could move to the traditional nose tackle. He could be a three tech. He could play both of them. He's a great athlete. He's a great pass rusher. And just reading his stats uh, from last year, uh, he was he was an extremely impressive player. Uh, in eight games, he put up numbers. And we also have to remember, he did not have an offseason leading into the season, yep. really, because he got shot in the face. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get some perspective here. Uh, I think he's going to come back with a full offseason and be an absolute wrecking ball. 
Oh, definitely. You had them both on my list. The reason Haskell Garrett's not on my list is because I wanted, I'd like to see him this year without Tommy Togiai. I think they were the perfect one-two punch. Um, and so I'd like, I want to see what he does when he's the guy. But I feel confident in saying that Haskell Garrett has a chance to be number one. Like if you ask me, if we did this next year, there's a chance he would be number one on my list. Yeah. I think he, he creates that type of impact. I just, you know. I just want to see it. I mean, maybe, maybe that's unfair to him. I'm glad that he was on your list, but I, I want to see what he does this year. But I think he has a chance to be the honestly the most talented out of everyone that's on the list yeah. right now. That's how that's how dominant he is. So, Pascal right. Garrett definitely deserves it. Uh, my number one, someone that we already talked about, uh, Adolphus Washington. Um, like, I mean, I I, I think I kind of said everything that I had to say. Um, he's someone that you. He's steady, like a, like we talked about with the offensive tackles. You don't really need to know his name. Yeah. He's always in the right spot. He's always making plays when he needs to. Um, 2015 All-American, um, you know, he was someone that was helping lead the charge. Unfortunately, 2015 didn't work like we wanted it to. We didn't get, you know, a chance to win a ring and things like that. But I think he was someone that helped keep that defense together. He, um, he's really a guy who just played defensive tackle. The way to play defense tackle, just yeah. the right like way. If you, you say this is like if you write out if the football god said this is how you play defensive tackle, that's, that's how, how he played play it in college. Tackle. Yeah, my number one's a guy we already talked about as well. It's funny you had uh, Dolphus Washington as one, and I had him at three. I have Michael Bennett at one, and you had him at three. I, I mean, I thought Michael Bennett was the most underrated part of the national championship run. I think he is. Mm-hmm. Such a talent. He was such a talented defensive lineman. He was a defensive lineman where you watched almost every snap and you're like, oh my God, he is making an impact on the front five. Like, this is the type of player Michael Bennett is. And we could go on for hours about all five of these players. But I think, I think this list is pretty interchangeable. Uh, just kind of, it's kind of pick your. Pick your spice, pick your flavor. What what you're into, yeah. what you're into, what is what you're into with these defensive tackles. And I think I, I liked what Michael Bennett brought in a time where you needed a Michael Bennett. Yeah, the one thing that this list showed me is like Ohio State has low key gotten robbed for some All Americans. I don't think I realized how hard it was to become an All American, which make like doing this makes me have even more respect. Because every time I go to the Ohio State's All American page, I'm like, that guy wasn't All American. Yeah, that guy wasn't All American. But this guy wasn't. Uh, like, yeah, it's like so. I, you know, that kind of kind of leads into our last conversation topic: best for last. Yeah, I, we uh, have three Walter Camp preseason All Americans. We got Thayer Munford, Haskell Garrett, Chris Olave. All three super great players. We mentioned Haskell Garrett, Thayer Munford, five year starter, going to be a great honor. I think he's going to be a unanimous All American. Oh yeah, I think Haskell Garrett's going to be a unanimous or consensus All American. I think Chris Olave is going to be in the same boat if they just produce at the level they're at. Uh, so I think all three of these guys fit it. You had one point on this that I, I agree with that we want to go with it. Yeah, I, I agree that you said I think they're all going to be consensus All-Americans, and maybe that's why they're on the list. I just thought the list was a little short. Yeah. I mean, there's only it's only three guys. I mean, and yeah, they're, they're the guys. They're Mumford. You said it five years. He's going to be a consensus. Haskell Garrett to be a consensus, potentially a first-round pick, high second. Chris Olave is arguably the best wide receiver in the, country. in the draft. You know, 
and unless your flavor is Garrett Wilson, but he's probably the most complete wide receiver. But speaking of Garrett Wilson, I don't understand how he's not on that list. Um, right. I'm not sure. You know, I I just felt it was a little short, but it's okay. Yeah, I think maybe maybe it's just the, the consensus. Maybe they think they're the ones that are like surefire, kind of how you mentioned. I think with preseason All Americans, it kind of comes to that place too, where you're like, we got to spread the love around a little bit. We can't yeah. just give it to guys at Ohio State, guys at Alabama, guys at Clemson. Guys are, are you sure? Yeah. So those are the but ones I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, when you look at the top six or seven teams, that's where all the All-Americans are playing. All Like the real All-Americans. But yeah. uh, I, I'm excited to see these come out. I, I, I mean, we're getting into preview magazines, so we're going to be seeing a lot of these preseason lists coming out. So I'm excited. We're going to be talking about this stuff as season gets closer, too. So we're going to save some of that. But, uh, I mean, it was an awesome show today. I mean, we made it an hour somehow again. Like, I don't know how we always do it. But, uh, yeah. You give us the topic, we'll talk about it. Yeah, you give a, you throw us something about Ohio State. <laughs> you throw it on a piece of paper where we could get it. We could get 15 minutes out of it at the bare minimum. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, signing out today. As you guys know, follow me on Twitter, Chris Rennie CFB. Jordan, where we find you on social media? Uh, black underscore royalty eight. And you know, make sure you're following the show. That's where I do all my tweeting now. Is that bug off pod? We're trying to trying to build the brand. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the Land Grant Holy Land podcast feed. We've got a lot of great shows in there. And when you're reading the articles, just make sure you got the nice little megaphone thing turned on. Let the podcast play and just let it roll. Uh, also, make sure you guys are leaving us some reviews. I think the reviews are a little stale right now. I think the last review is from 2019. We've got some new talent in here. We've got some new shows. Uh, if you're one of our friends, Jordan, I know you got friends. I know I have friends. Help us out. Come on now. Come on. Come on. It's like we're not asking for much. Just press the five <laughs> star. Say, hey, Chris and Jordan, you guys are awesome. And then you're good to go. Because that's what we do. Grand Holy Land is the best Ohio Ohio State site. You wouldn't even be lying. It is the best Ohio State site. It's true. We have the most fun. We talk about the most stuff. And it's not all serious all the time. And I think you guys could listen to us in a car, on a boat, while you're jogging, at the gym. You know, you're pre-gaming with your friends. You want to get some Ohio State content in. You got to listen to us. But yeah, make sure you specify Chris and Jordan, though. Like, I mean, come on. Uh, Once a week, every Friday, you guys are getting some serious heat, and we love bringing it to you. And that's how I'm going to end the show today. Adios, guys. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. All right. I think we're good there. We got it. I think we need to keep shameless play.